Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Were they sinners? Absolutely. Born sinners. Just like you, just like me. Him and Joseph, no record of sin on their part. And then Daniel spends a good chunk of this day praying and repenting. Because that's what godly people do. That's what godly people do. Godly people read the word. Godly people pray. Godly people repent. That's what mature spiritual believers do. What are some signs of spiritual maturity? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches you that God desires for you to grow in your spiritual development. He doesn't want you to simply live off of milk, so to speak. God desires for you to be growing in Him and to become more spiritually mature. Pastor James explains that some of the ways that you know that you're growing is through repentance. Not just repentance, but spending time with the Lord through His Word and through prayer. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 9 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. chapter 9. This chapter breaks into two parts. It's, it's the prayer, and then it's the prophecy, okay? So let's look at the prayer real quick. From verse 1, it says, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. So another ruler, all that good stuff. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. So we'll pause there because I want to, I just want to address a few things. Number one, Daniel, the man of God, who is technically not a prophet, okay, now, most half of his book is prophecy, but he's technically not labeled a prophet. He's a governmental official, is what he is. Jeremiah, the prophet. Isaiah, the prophet. Ezekiel, the prophet. Daniel, did he prophesy? Yeah, he did. But according to those definitions and all that, not the prophet, but gets prophecies, okay? Uh, now, we're not going to split hairs on any of that any of that silliness. What I, the main thing I want to point out is Daniel reads the Bible. Daniel, the man of God, reads the Bible. He's re, he's, he says right here, he's like a first year king of Darius the Mede. I was reading the Bible. I was reading through the word. That's what it says. He was reading through Jeremiah the scroll. He didn't have Jeremiah the book because at, at this point in time, there was no Jeremiah the book in the sense of what we have with chapters and verses. He's reading Jeremiah the scroll. So what seems to be a normal, habitual thing for Daniel is, I was just reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible, and I saw in God's word, God's promise. And God's promise motivated me to pray, which is exactly what it should do for you and for me. You read through God's word, 
hopefully you are noticing and you are seeing promises, and the, the Spirit has a way of uh, directing us to those at times and stirring those up within our minds, our remembrance and all that good stuff. But hopefully you and I are responding to his promises with prayer. And the other part that should accompany that prayer is repentance. Repentance. What did Daniel have to repent of? Nothing that we know of. He's one of two guys who there's no sins mentioned about them at all. Were they sinners? Absolutely. Born sinners. Just like you, just like me. Him and Joseph, no record of sin on their part. And then Daniel spends a good chunk of this day praying and repenting. Because that's what godly people do. That's what godly people do. Godly people read the word. Godly people pray. Godly people repent. That's what mature spiritual believers do. That should be a habit of ours, a daily practice of ours. Read, pray, repent. Read, pray, repent. Simple as that. But I don't have anything to repent about. Repent about that. Repent about what you just said, that pride, that arrogance, okay? That disillusionment that you bought into. Uh, we, have, we have countless reasons to repent. Here's Daniel. He opens up the word and he goes to Jeremiah and um, and I'm, I'm just going to turn there real quick. You, you can just jot it down if you want to, but there's a, there's a couple of references that we were given that, uh, given the idea of where Daniel actually was reading from. We know specifically Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, we, knew, we know absolutely that that's, that's where he was reading. What I love about Jeremiah chapter 29 is it contains one of the most, um, one of the most like, Christian-friendly verses in the entire Bible. We, I, I don't even have to reference it because you already know. You already know. You already have the pillow. You already have the mug. You already have the throw blanket and all that stuff, right, with the Jeremiah 29, 11 verse on there. But that's where, that's where Daniel was reading. It was from, Daniel, it was from Jeremiah chapter 29. And let's see here. Verse 10 of chapter 29 says this. But this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years God had already told them this. Why? Well, because they were rebellious. Because they were rebellious and they did not want to honor, they didn't want to honor God. And God said, you, you, look, you're going to work the land for six years, but then you got to give it a year off, a Sabbath rest. And they said, okay, you got it, God. We love you and we love your statutes and we love your commandments. Anything you say, we will do. And then they turned around and totally ignored them. And so he tallied up all those years, and after so many years, you did not honor this one command, and so you'll go into captivity for 70 years, because the land will have its rest. It's God's land. It still belongs to God. It doesn't belong to any person or group. I mean, yes, it does belong to the Jews. Don't, don't write me any of those letters either, okay? Because look, I love Israel, right? But the land belongs to God. It's his. He's going to redeem it back and all the good stuff. And then he's, this, this whole earth is going to burn up and there's going to be new heavens, new earth, and all that good stuff. They didn't honor what God had given to them. They didn't honor and they didn't respect what God had entrusted them with. And so they, had to, they were going to pay for it. And so here, Jeremiah is given this word that you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. He goes on to say, but then I will come and do for you all the things that I have promised and I will bring you home again. Verse 11, here it is. 
for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look to me or look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. What a beautiful promise. What a beautiful promise. And we embrace that as Christians today. Oh man, the Lord, he has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. Yes, he absolutely does. But let's not forget, he, was, he gave that promise to a very rebellious people, knowing fully well, oh, I'm gonna, you're going to be a captive. You're going to be captives. In fact, you're going to be taken away to a land that is not your home. And he even gave them instructions before that. He even told them, he's like, look, when you, when you live in Babylon, plant gardens. Plant gardens. Pray for the, the welfare of that city because its welfare will be your welfare. Which is a good reminder for you and I to be praying for our, pray for our city, pray for our state, pray for our country, because its welfare will be your welfare. Like, I don't want to pray for America. I don't like, well, you don't understand the Bible and the very practical things concerning the word of God. We have to pray for, none of this place is our home. I mean, this is Texas. This is like the closest thing to heaven you can get. On, on this planet, well, maybe not. I've been to Israel. Trust me, Israel is a pretty sweet place. But we, we have to be praying for where God has placed us for right now, because this is not our home. This is not our home. Our home, our citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven. But God had told the nation of Israel, he's like, look, he's like, I'm, you're going to be taken off and you're going to be in captive. You're going to be captives for 70 years. Well, Jeremiah, as he's, re- or Daniel, I'm going to probably do that a few times. Daniel, as he's reading through the word, he sees that like, he starts doing the math. He's like, wait a minute. If there were three deportations, so if it's based off of this one, then we are a few years away from going back home. And that's the one Daniel went with. He went with the the quickest departure date. And that's how he was motivated to pray. And that's the prayer that that God had answered for him. Because there were three different departures. And Daniel's like, let's see, can I I can go with the first one, which means we're only like three years away from from going back home. I can go for the middle one, which puts us out a little bit further. Or I can go for the last one that puts us out further. I'm going to go for the first one. And that's what he prayed. And God answered that prayer. And God answered that prayer. God didn't say, Daniel, you know what? Technically, I'm basing this whole 70 thing years off of the last deportation. God's like, no, I based it off of the first one. I'm going to base it off that first one. So yeah, you are only about three years away from going back home. So Daniel, as he's reading the word, he sees that in, in the book of Jeremiah, and he prays, and here's, here's how he prays. Um, here's how he prays. Look at this prayer. Uh, what, what I would ask you to do is, I, I've done this in a couple of my other Bibles, is I've circled all the uh, personal pronouns, okay? The, the we's, okay? Most of, mostly those, um, or us, those types of things. Because there's 30-something of them in this prayer, all right? He says, oh, Lord, you are great, and you are a great and awesome God, You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Good way to start our prayers. Addressing God as who he is. As who he is. 
Verse five, but we have sinned and done wrong. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. So here's Daniel. Just, he, just, he just starts praying. And he's like, we've sinned against you. Well, Daniel, what did you do? doesn't matter. No, we. We. I, I'm a part of the problem. I'm a part of the problem. Because I'm a part of the problem, I'm going to be maybe the only part of the solution, so to speak. I'm going to be, maybe if nobody else is praying, I'm going to pray. Maybe if nobody else is repenting, I'm going to repent. It, it, we have no record of anybody else doing this or nobody else repenting. And even when Israel gets set free, there's no record or, or too much evidence of them actually walking in repentance. But Daniel was like, I don't care if nobody else does it. I'm going to. I will. Even if you feel alone, you show up and do what's right. We show up and do what's right. And Daniel just, he lumps himself right in there with these guys. He says, our faces are covered with shame. This is true for all of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord, our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. And that's what Daniel is He's going back to, and he knows. He's like, man, Lord, we're busted. You told us to do this. You told us. You made it very specific and very clear. Do this and don't do these things. And we have flat out rebelled, and we've ignored you, and we've, we've done what you've told us not to do. And that's, then it's just, he, he's just throwing it out there. And it, what, what's amazing about that is, is the fact that it was his time spent in the word that fueled this prayer. If your prayer life is weak and you're like, I just don't know what to pray, can I encourage you to open up the word of God and start reading it and just start praying what it says in here? Because really when you're reading through Daniel's prayer, what he is doing is basically just saying, look, God, I've, I've, I've read. I've, I've read all the warnings from, from Jeremiah. I saw how they were rebelling against you, how we were rebelling against you and all the things that we were doing. And, and it was the word is what fueled his prayer life. I mean, we have this, this beautiful, very specific prayer from Daniel because he spent time in the Bible and he knew what it said and he knew the history. Even though he lives in Babylon and he has no idea what's happening back in Israel, but he knows this one thing. Your word warned us against doing these things, but, and we did those things. And that's how, he, that's how he, he prayed. He just owned, he just owned everything. It's a good, a good lesson for you and I and a good encouragement for, for you if you're just like, man, I, 
Listen, there's sometimes, we know, the book of Romans tells us, Romans chapter 8 tells us, there's going to be times when you go to pray and you don't even know what to say. And I'm not talking about those things, where the Holy Spirit comes in and gives you utterance. He gives you words to say. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm addressing more so the people who just show up and they're like, well, when we pray, I just, I don't know what to pray. Pray the word. Just pray the Bible. (laughs) Just pray the Bible. That's all you do. Open it up and be like, I don't know if this makes sense or not, Lord, but your 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 word says that we are sinners. So, Lord, please forgive us for being sinners. That's a beautiful prayer. That's a great prayer. We don't have to have these, like, amazing and deep theological, although they have their place, but the King James language and all this stuff, we don't have to have that. The best prayer meetings I've been a part of have been with people who are just like so immersed in the Word of God that what they pray is just beautiful, simplistic prayers of like, man, Lord, um, you're great. You're awesome. You're faithful. You're loving. You're forgiving. Your promises and your word stands true. Lord, I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. But you love this sinner. Some of the best prayer meetings ever just been with people who just like, it's like they just open the word and it's like, sounds like they're, you're not repeating Daniel's prayer, but you're kind of repeating Daniel's prayer. And that's exact, that's it. So here's Daniel's time spent in the word and he's just like, here we are, Lord. Here's all the things that, I mean, we did it. You said not to, but we did it. And here we are. He goes on in verse, the rest of verse 11 there. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Oh, that's a good, let's not forget about those promises either. We love the good promises. We love the other, you know, like, hey, don't, don't stray from the left or to the right. Stay right in the middle and everything you do. You'll prosper and all that gets. We love those. But what about the ones where it's like, God's like, yeah, but if you break my law, um, uh, there, might be, there might be a price to pay. <laughs> and we're like, well, we don't like those promises. Well, yeah, how many coffee mugs have those verses on them? Zero, okay, zero. How many mugs should have those verses on them? Um, just as many as the good promises, so to speak. For every Jeremiah twenty nine eleven mug, there should be whatever other verse, there should be these, these other verses on, on these mugs because we need those just as much as the I know the plans I have for you verses. Beautiful, great, encouraging. The other ones are encouraging in a whole nother way. Like, don't reject me before men. (laughs) You're like, oh, I should pay attention to that one, shouldn't I? Yeah, you probably should. Yeah. He goes on. He he just, he's reminding God. He's letting God know, look, you've kept your word. You've done exactly what you've warned. Never has there been such a disaster that has happened in Jerusalem. Verse 13, every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, because of that, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. Daniel's like, we got what we deserved. We got what we deserved. And this is his prayer. This is like him having this prayer meeting. He's writing this stuff down, but he's having this prayer meeting with God. And he's like, God, you're right. 
You said not to do it, and we did it. And you, you spelled it out for us. If we disobeyed, these are the things that are going to happen. And those things have come true. And it's 70 years. Did it, it was going to be 70 years for the land's sake. What's crazy is that there's no like reference or even hint at the people of Israel coming together and saying, you know what we should do? We should probably, we should probably apologize to God. We should probably repent. There's no record of that at all. And they've been in captivity for 70 years. But it shouldn't surprise us because all you got to do is just go back into the book of Judges. That's all you have to do is spend some time going through the book of Judges and you see the cycle happens all the time. Doing good, following the Lord, compromise comes in, start worshiping idols and all this good stuff and just turn their back on God. And then he sends in somebody to bring judgment upon them, whether it be the Midians or the Philistines or whoever else. And then they spend this many years in captivity until they finally cry out to God and say, please help us. He's like, all right, I'll send you a Samson. I'll send you a Deborah, a Barak. Uh, I'll send you um, Gideon. And he sends them judges, deliverers, rescuers, right? But it, it took them years to get there in some cases. And here they are in Babylon, and they're like, well, we're here. <laughs> we're here. Does anybody know why we're here? I don't know. This seems unfair. Why is God so mean? Why is God so mean? He's such an angry God. You're there because you got yourself there. I love that. It's, this is the day and age in which we live. The main thing people will say is, why is God so mean? God's not mean. God's just. And we might find ourselves in certain positions and predicaments within our lives because we got ourselves there. Sometimes he allows difficulties in our lives. But let's never, ever, ever forget the fact that captivity is still a thing. You can still end up a captive of someone or something because you ignore the word of God. That's truth. We don't like to hear that because we're growing up in this like snowflake society of like, just tell me good things. Tell me I'm a good person. You're not a good person. You're not. You're a sinner. There you go. That hurts my emotions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that does, but it's truth. And truth meant to motivate us to repent and turn back to God. He's the best thing ever. He's just, he's true, he's faithful. It, it's, it's no surprise we find ourselves, and especially our nation, in the state it is, because our nation turned their back on God a long time ago. We don't want anything to do with him. God doesn't fit within our mold anymore. So we'll find a new God who makes us feel good about ourselves. We'll find him that we, we want one that's kind of like a genie in a bottle. Rub him rub the lamp, and then out he comes and grants us wishes and wishes and wishes and makes us feel good and just serves us. That's not who God is. That's not who he is. He served mankind in the greatest way 2,000 years ago by coming here and dying on the cross for us, not so that we could have a cushy life and get everything that we want. That's not what it's about. Here Israel's like, they've rejected and... and Daniel, Daniel's praying this, this beautiful prayer, and he's like, look, all, all your word has come true. You know what? And, and God, you're just. You're just. Our, our captivity is absolutely fair and just because we deserve it. We deserve it. 
of Daniel is so interesting because many of the prophecies spoken of have played out in the course of history. What an amazing glimpse of what was to come ahead of time. If there's one thing that's for sure about prophecy in the Bible, it is going to come true. Some of these things might seem a little scary or altogether strange, but how cool is it that God brings everything to a place where He's in control? and he'll bring about good in the end. If you're wrestling with things being out of your control, be reminded through the book of Daniel that God has got this. Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to be a support to you in whatever you're currently walking through. And if you'd like to use us as a resource or just give a listening ear, we're here for you. Go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'd love to get to know you in person, too. So join us Sundays or Wednesdays as we study God's Word together. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to find out our service times and directions. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? Much is done to get these teachings on the radio, and we're thankful for those who feel led by God to contribute in such a way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find a donate link. Also, if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for listening today to Bread for the Broken. 